you've survived another week. A tribute to Mall Ninjas, Zombie Strike number 28, and some random thoughts. All this and more, coming up next. Crossbreedholsters.com presents the Airbin Shooter Podcast. Thank God for an expert. The weekly pro-gun variety show featuring the internationally known black man with a gun. Your friend and brother from a different mother. That's what I call a close encounter. Ken Blanchard. Love it. This is a star. You're going to love it. It's a classic. All right, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to The Urban Shooter. This is a pro-gun variety show that features news, interviews, and how-tos of just about anything I can think of good enough to pass on. I'm your friend and brother from a different mother, a pastor, an author, an activist, a producer, husband, and host. And my name is Ken Blanchard. I'm here to share a smile with you, pass on some good info, or just help you pass an hour. And you might be driving, riding, sitting, flying, jogging, running or gunning, whatever you're doing, thanks for rolling with a brother. You know, I use this show to have fun, and I hope you can tell. I share my thoughts, the real me, and stuff I think would be funny if you and I were just chilling somewhere. I got two jobs, and they're really serious, so this is my outlet. Thanks for letting me be me. If you want to reach me, my email is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com or on Facebook under Ken, that's with two N's, Blanchard. You can leave a voicemail message toll-free in the U.S. at 888-772-6262. And let me know if you heard this show on WindowsToLiberty.com. And if you're ready, let's let the Duke lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I got some good news. Congratulations are in order for Mr. and Mrs. Staff Sergeant Daniel Shaw, Urah, host of the Gunfighter cast, on the birth of their son. Good job, A. Mama, you the best. Take care, my man. Both my brothers. I want to give a quick, quick shout out to the young folks at windowstoliberty.com and to the students of Concealed Carry on campus. I kind of gave a impromptu shout out in an article that I wrote on humanevents.com about the future. And I said that you are the positive parts of the future. And the article is called My Son's Future, but it includes everybody under 30 that I know that are doing good things. And I just want to give a quick shout out and a pat on the back to you, wherever you are. My son's home for college, home from college for the summer. Just finished his first year. It's a good thing. Celebrated my 19th wedding anniversary. Unbelievable. Why? Because I am not perfect. It's a wonder, a blessing that we made it this far with this guy. You just don't know. I mean, started swing dancing. I mean, after you get over some heavy, heavy hurdles with your missus and you start doing the things you're supposed to do, life can actually improve. We took a swing dancing class and we're doing that now. It's kind of fun. Actually, breaking a sweat, man. Unbelievable. I want to give a quick shout out to Mick McArt. 
I want to encourage you, brother, to keep on following your dreams and the God's leading in your life. You and your missus and little Micah are going to do just fine, especially when another one comes. You know how that goes. But just keep on, man. Keep on pressing forward. Um, I tweet and put up a couple of things every once in a while, and it's not all happy news. Sometimes I'm grumbling, and you guys are quick to say, hey, man, it's going to be all right. And I appreciate that. I'm human. You know, I'm not faking it. If I got some problems, I'm looking for somebody to talk to just like you are. I am not that guy sitting on top of a mountaintop with all the answers. Not me at all. I'm just me. Working it. Trying to do the best I can with what I got left. You know what I'm saying? Now, I've overcome some stuff now. Let me tell you. Things weren't always peachy keen, and that's how I keep it all in perspective. Right now, I'm in Gravyville, but there's been some lean, lean times, and I hope I never see those again. So, for those of you looking for a job, and for those who don't have it like you want it right now, I understand. And that's why I ask you sometimes that you can just email me or call me and let me know, because I'll listen. I've been there. I understand. I ain't just pulling your leg. This is my podcast is also just a way to to talk to you. Cool? All right. This is Jens from Germany, and you're listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast with my friend and brother, Ken Blanchett. When I first heard the term mall ninja, I thought it was somebody that was dressed up in black with those two-toed shoes that crawl up the walls. Then I thought maybe it referred to the guards that work in the malls and are not allowed to be armed, so they carry everything they can afford to put on their Sam Brown belt. You know, that police utility belt that cops have on. They got the biggest flashlight, handcuffs, pepper spray, vinyl gloves, CPR masks, cell phones, pagers, notepads, and keys on them bad boys. But mall ninjas today is more for the gun folks. You know, the ones you see at the gun stores, at the range, and gun shows that are very pro-gun. Now, I asked for some help on this one and got some good responses from the Gun Rights Radio Network guys, the folks on Facebook, and from you. You know, mall ninjas are more pro-gun than you are. They typically have opinions on everything. Regardless of expertise, they are uniformly poor shots. They tend to exhibit a frightening lack of safety training. And most of their knowledge comes from guns and ammo, the American Rifleman, or SWAT magazines. Needless to say, there are also an abundance of equally well-meaning gun owners that are also clueless that their actions don't help our cause. Typically, their median age is about 19 to 30 years old, and they tend to boast about their various exploits with certain units. You gotta love mall ninjas. I think it was the mall ninjas that had the armed protest at the Second Amendment march that day in Virginia, across the river from us. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that out loud. You know, you got to learn to laugh at ourselves sometimes, though. Some of us are darn funny. I remember this brother I was trying to talk to at a gun show. He had a Vietnam era tiger stripe boonie hat and matching camo pants, and he looked real tough. He didn't have time to talk to me about gun rights, voting or supporting the right to keep and bear arms and movement at all. But he was a mall ninja. 
I knew right away he wasn't a former Vietnam vet because, one, he was too young. I knew he wasn't a former anything because of his appearance. There was just some stuff that we do differently, that pride and bearing just comes through if you served in a special unit. And then I saw him again, so I asked him, actually. So I wasn't being disparaging. That was a true statement. How do you know when you see a mall ninja? Well, you may be a mall ninja if... When you're told by your significant other to sweep the garage, you grab an AR and yell, clear. You may be a mall ninja if it takes you 30 minutes to get ready to use the restroom. You may be a mall ninja if you tell everyone you meet that you carry a concealed weapon. You may be a mall ninja if you know any secret technique that you can't demonstrate on me because it's too dangerous. You may be a mall ninja if your 15th degree black belt records burned in the same fire that killed your sensei. You may be a mall ninja if you really hope the zombies come. You may be a mall ninja if your khakis have more pockets than your range bag. You may be a mall ninja if your AR has more accessories than your car. You may be a mall ninja if your comb has a knife hidden in it. You may be a mall ninja if your knife has a knife hidden in it. You may be a mall ninja when you yell, Get out of my yard! And everybody in the neighborhood hits the dirt, including the poodle next door. You may be a mall ninja if all firearms you own have something attached that requires CR-123 batteries. Hey, if you like those, I got 38 more, but I want to give a list of the first 50 to everybody who has the Urban Shooter app. Look for that PDF in your app. If you have some suggestions or some add-ons for me, send them to me at blackmanwithagun.com. There's a link for it on the site. Or you can email me your, you may be a mall ninja if to Ken at UrbanShooterPodcast.com. Thanks a lot. The Minister of Defense, the pastor of paladins, patriots, and pistoleros will be right back after these commercials. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at crossbreedholsters.com. Don't forget, crossbreedholsters.com. Gun Rights Radio Network has the best pro-Second Amendment, pro-gun rights podcast available on the net. The podcasts are absolutely free when subscribing using iTunes or Zoom Marketplace. Or if you want, you can just listen from the website. Make sure you visit GunRightsRadio.com to subscribe. Podcasting freedom, one episode at a time. Your eyes are priceless. Don't settle for less than ESS iPro. Advanced eye protection systems for military, law enforcement, and fire rescue professionals. Protect your eyes and look good doing it. 
designed to take on the planet's most hostile and unforgiving environments, featuring cutting-edge technologies, patented innovations for peak performance, and uncompromised eye safety. ESSIPro.com. Tell them Ken Blanchard sent you. ESSIPro.com. And now, back to the man who's packing more than a browning. All right. WTF, AZ. You know, a couple of podcasts ago, or maybe it was just last one, I made the joke and threw Arizona Slam in there, and I apologize. Jim actually called me to it. And after thinking about it, I was so wrong. See, here on the East Coast, I get my news from the same filters as everybody else. And it rarely contains all the facts. And somehow I forgot that. Now, my wife's from New York, so she's a little quicker on her feet. And she can retort a bad statement really fast, like a lawyer. Me, on the other hand, I'm a little slow. I will listen to the crap and make my decision what I've heard a whole lot later. And that's the case with immigration, Arizona, and the state of affairs of things that are going on right now with you guys. Now, I try to be funny, and I echoed an inflammatory and incorrect situation about the Grand Canyon State. So what is the facts about Arizona? You know, it's really easy to fall prey to race baiting. As a person of color, it's easy to act on a hot button like racism. It's easy to be manipulated into thinking the same state that has John McCain, the same state that doesn't use daylight savings time, the same state that had an issue with celebrating Martin Luther King Day until 1992 was against the Hispanic people. I know it's not true, but that's how it was presented. The mainstream media did a really good job of convincing us of that. And if you don't have a whole lot of time to make a decision, if you're not directly involved and you're not good on a comeback, whatever you hear in the news is believable. The fact is, in Arizona, that's a state I want to actually wanted to move into when I left the military. But I had some trouble at home and I never got there. I had this big grandiose plan. I was separating from the Marine Corps and I had this deal I wanted to Move to Arizona, get me a nice trailer in the desert, wouldn't have to cut no grass, no pollen for my asthma, none of that stuff was going to be a, a factor. I was going to go to night school, get a job as a state police officer, graduate, and then go into the Drug Enforcement Administration. I wanted to be a DEA agent and go back down to South America. That was my plan. And maybe somewhere in there I'd find a nice Latina somewhere and life would be grand. But I never got there. The truth is, Arizona recently has been a gateway to human trafficking, drug wars, and smuggling. And if you're not from there, you don't know it. Arizona has been under siege by some pretty vicious, professionally trained gangs that move within the ranks of those hopeful but illegal immigrants seeking a better life for themselves in America. But nobody says that. The fact is, there's been some heinous acts of violence perpetrated against American citizens like a dude named Robert Krentz 
And according to one report from Maricopa County, 95 illegal aliens are in jail for murder. The only good thing about this is that Arizonians at least have the right to protect themselves with firearms, unlike most of us here on the East Coast. The fact is that law enforcement is usually playing catch-up when a crime spike like that occurs. Now, as Americans, we are always reactionary, which tactically is slower. And on top of that, we often have to explain ourselves during a fight, which takes up both time and resources, not to mention it will telegraph our intention. And the bad guys usually take advantage of that and get away. The threats in Arizona include those from MS-13, which are bigger than just the old kid gangs of old. Those dudes are local brands of terrorists. And Phoenix law enforcement people are facing some really bad dudes while we make jokes and wax philosophically. Those are the facts. I forgot I wanted to be among those law enforcement officers there at one time when I made my joke. And for my friends in Arizona, I ask for your forgiveness. World, Arizona needs our support to stop the violence. And for the record, an ill eagle is not a sick bird, but a criminal. I get it now, AZ. This is my end of my commentary, and thanks for listening. Zombie Strike. Part 28. 20 miles north of Salem, Wyoming, approximately 50 miles west of Laramie, 18 February 2010. 1830 hours local, countdown, one year, 11 months, 12 days. Jim Collins stared at the horde of zombies as they emerged from the darkness. It was like some sort of horror scene. He shook his head to clear the fogginess from being bounced off the mine's stone floor and walls. It helped a little, but his body and mind protested all the abuse they had taken since Jim had arrived in Wyoming. Jim forced himself off the ground and began to crawl back to his team. Where was his carbine? Form firing lines, bellowed Mateo Cortez. The team fell into position at their leader's commands. This was one of those drills the team practiced often. Billy, Sport, and Jessica crouched down in front with carbines up. Standing behind them and interspersed were Quentin, Colin, and the Steve. Mateo's job was to watch the flow of the horde to make sure the team didn't hit the point of crush, the point at which the sheer numbers and mass of the horde would overcome all defensive actions. Jim just had to recover and be ready to jump in if one of the team needed him. The firing line opened up with full auto fire. With the suppressors, it sounded to Jim like a chorus of angry typewriters. The image brought a smile to his face. The smile quickly faded. The only reason for the disciplined team to unleash that kind of fire was to open up space between the team and the horde. The leading zombies were less than 20 feet from the team. 
A normal human could cross that distance in a couple of seconds. Zombies did it in five to eight. Jim saw the few zombies quickly brought down. And then a barrage of fire tear apart the next group. Zombies collapsed as bullets shattered their legs or the few that actually took out the vital brain. For the first 10 seconds, Jim feared they would hit crush, but Mateo held the team in place. Then the horde suddenly thinned, allowing the team to shift from opening distance to engaging the zombies with aimed headshots. The whole fight took less than a minute to finish. The horde was less than 50 zombies strong. Billy and Quentin did a routine check to make sure all the zombies were put down as the rest of the team reloaded and prepped for going deeper into the mine. The Steve gave Jim a shot of his infamous happy juice, a concoction of a painkiller and stimulant. As the injection hit him, Jim felt his head start to clear and some of his pain fall away. He realized Mateo was talking to him. Jim, how is this mine laid out? Mateo repeated his question. I don't know, Jim answered. The kids don't go beyond the first 50 feet or so. I know that the parents always tell the kids that their mind was closed down because it wasn't stable. You could get trapped in a collapse and all that. Okay, we'll have to take this slow and easy, Mateo said. I don't want to run into any more surprises if I don't have to. He looked over at Jim with a sympathetic look. I know you want to get down there fast but we won't do her any good if we get dead. Jim nodded, but something felt wrong. He pushed it down to focus on what he needed to do. Still, something was tickling the back of his mind. The team descended into the icy blackness of the mine. The weapon-mounted lights pushed back the inky darkness only about 20 yards before the light seemed to be swallowed up. Not even the team's night vision could penetrate the darkness. Gust of wind blew out of the mine. On the tails of the gust were haunting moans. The team tensed up as they continued. It wasn't a tension from fear. It was from annoyance. There was little doubt Alan was behind the parlor tricks. It felt almost juvenile from a person who had demonstrated the ability to bring down helicopters and drones. Billy stopped and crouched. The team froze in place. Mateo moved up next to Billy. Jim looked down the mine shaft, but he couldn't see anything beyond the edge of the team's lights. Jim didn't personally like Billy, but he trusted the kid's instincts. Then he saw the flicker of movement just on the edge of the light. It moved too fast to be a zombie. Jim brought up his carbine. The weapon was torn out of his hands as something shot out of the darkness and slammed into it. Jim spared a momentary glance to see the black bladed axe protruding out of his carbine before transitioning to his revolver. A withered corpse covered in blue runes shot out from the darkness. It let out a howling screech as it attacked Billy with a primitive axe. It looked like a golem, but it was missing the stone medallion that bestowed its mystical powers. Billy blocked the creature's flurry of blows long enough for Quentin to slide to the creature's side and bring down his warhammer on his head. The blow sent the golem to the mine's floor and left his head a broken, soggy mess. The corpse just sat there instead of withering away to a skeleton. Not a golem, but something new. 
Form up, Mateo ordered. The team fell into his normal lineup, but the annoyance was gone. Allen had conjured up things none other team had ever fought. If he had that much power to play with the team, what would happen when they finally confronted him? The moaning wind started again. The cold seemed to cut straight to Jim's bones. Everything ached, and keeping up with the pace grew harder. As the team continued to descend into the mine, Jim decided that this was his last field mission. He was getting too old to do this, and he was pretty sure he did some permanent damage somewhere along the line. If what Mateo said about having the proof that the sheriff framed him, then maybe Jim could just stay in Salem. Maybe he could go back to being Nate West. And the floor fell out from under Jim. His mind had just a second to realize he was falling before he slammed onto the floor. He felt the breath whoosh out of him. As he gasped, Alan loomed over him with an insane grin on his face. As Jim looked into the face of his friend turned enemy, the only thought that crossed his mind was how badly Alan had aged. The man's face was gaunt with sunken features. He sort of looked like a corpse. Why, Nathan, so good of you to drop in, cackled Alan. He laughed maniacally at his own joke. Jim didn't bother with a retort. He had managed to keep a hold of his revolver after crashing onto the floor. Without a word, Jim whipped the revolver at Alan and fired twice. Alan jerked as the heavy bullets hammered into his torso. He dropped to the ground. No, screamed a woman's voice. Before Jim could look where the voice came from, someone leaped on top of him. He felt the padded thumps as the person unleashed a flurry of futile blows. Jim pistol-whipped the person off of him. It wasn't until she rolled onto her back that Jim recognized his assailant as his daughter. Guilt hammered through him as he saw the angry purple bruise forming up on her cheek. She looked stunned, as if trying to figure out what had just happened. Jim looked around. He was in some sort of cavern. The chamber was maybe 50 feet wide and lit with a combination of glow sticks, torches, and fluorescent lanterns. A pair of bedrolls and camping gear was in one corner. As he looked up, he couldn't see the hole he fell through. He glanced at his PDA to find it wasn't working. He mentally shrugged. He had done okay before Mateo foisted all those gadgets on him. What he needed to do was find the way out. A wave of excruciating pain washed over him. Every part of him screamed in agony. As the pain began to fade, he found himself on the ground, unable to move. Alan was crouched next to him, just barely within Jim's peripheral vision. Alan turned Jim's head slightly and gently so that the two were looking at each other. Alan had taken off the robes. He was almost naked, except for some sort of underwear that looked like a conquistador's breastplate. The long knife was balanced in a loose grip. Alan's body reminded Jim of the pictures of the Jews that managed to survive the concentration camps. Jim wanted to scream and vomit at the same time. Unable to do either, he tried to find his hands and feet. For the record, that hurt, Alan announced, pointing at two small dents in the armor. My own fault, really. I didn't think you had it in you. You think after all this time, I would know better. 
Jim glared up at him. He wanted to throw every evil curse he could think at Alan. Oh, don't look at me like that, Alan said with a righteous indignation. You still don't understand what this is all about. Alan waved dramatically at the cave. I did this all for you, my friend. All of this for you. He kneeled next to Jim's paralyzed body. There was a look of compassion on Alan's face. The look terrified Jim. I'm going to explain this to you, Nathan, not because I want to gloat, but because I want you out of this. I owe you that much. Alan said, I know what you're thinking. Why do I owe you? Because you didn't kill me all those years ago. I found out what I was supposed to do with my life. Because of Zombie Strike, I was recruited by the one you called Giant. We find that nickname amusing, even if Mikhail won't let us use it. Anyway, when I was told to retrieve the artifacts here, I knew I had the opportunity to help you. Alan paused long enough to sit down cross-legged next to Jim. When Giant told me to get these, Alan said, motioning to the breastplate and the knife, I knew I could force you to come back here and face your past. I may be insane, but even I can spot a frame-up when I see it. I also knew that your comrades had the proof you needed to clear yourself. I just needed to push you to confronting your past. Now, your name's been cleared, you're reconnected with the lost love of your life, and managed to rescue your daughter. Alan got up from the floor and walked to one of the walls. Your team will find you soon, Alan said. Quit zombie strike. Just because some of your teammates are fated to fight us doesn't mean you have to join them in death. Your daughter is going to need your help. Stockholm Syndrome combined with being used to power magic does horrific things to a young woman's mind. Alan almost sounded remorseful. He stabbed the knife into the wall of the cavern. The cavern filled with bright light. As Alan opened the slit in the wall, there was one more sorrowful look before Alan slipped into the wall and vanished. This concludes another installment of the narrated story Zombie Strike by Derek Ward. Join us next time for another exciting edition of the ongoing saga. This product is protected by copyright owned by Blanchard Studios, Kenneth Blanchard, and other individuals or entities. Any production, retransmission, republication, or any other use of part or audio found on this site is expressly prohibited unless prior written permission has been granted by Kenneth Blanchard or the appropriate copyright owner. All other rights reserved. To all the U.S. Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force, Coast Guard, and contract personnel risking their life and away from home, this is my tribute to you. Thank you for all that you do. God bless. The average age of the military man is 19 years. He is a short-haired, tight-muscled kid who, under normal circumstances, is considered by society as half-man, half-boy, not yet dry behind the ears, not old enough to buy beer, but old enough to die for his country. He never really cared much for work, and he would rather wax his own car than wash his father's, but he has never collected unemployment either. He is a recent high school graduate. He was probably an average student, 
pursued some form of sport activities, drives a 10-year-old jalopy, and has a steady girlfriend that either broke up with him when he left or swears to be waiting when he returns from a half a world away. He listens to rock and roll or hip-hop or rap or jazz or swing and 155mm howitzer. He is 10 or 15 pounds lighter now than when he was at home because he is working or fighting from before dawn to well after dusk. He has trouble spelling, thus letter writing is a pain for him, but he can field strip a rifle in 30 seconds and reassemble it in less time in the dark. He can recite to you the nomenclature of a machine gun or grenade launcher and use either one effectively if he must. He digs foxholes and latrines and can apply first aid like a professional. He can march until he's told to stop or stop until he is told to march. He obeys orders instantly and without hesitation, but he is not without spirit or individual dignity. He is self-sufficient. He has two sets of fatigues. He washes one and wears the other. He keeps his canteens full and his feet dry. He sometimes forgets to brush his teeth, but never to clean his rifle. He can cook his own meals, mend his own clothes, and fix his own hurts. If you're thirsty, he'll share his water with you. If you're hungry, his food. He'll even split his ammunition with you in the midst of a battle when you run low. He has learned to use his hands like weapons, and weapons like they were his hands. He can save your life, or take it, because that's his job. He will often do twice the work of a civilian, draw half the pay, and still find ironic humor in it all. He has seen more suffering and death than he should have in his short lifetime. He has wept in public and in private for friends who have fallen in combat and is unashamed. He feels every note of the national anthem vibrate through his body while at rigid attention, while tempering the burning desire to square away those around him who haven't bothered to stand, remove their hat, or even stop talking. In an odd twist, day in and day out, far from home, he defends their right to be disrespectful, just as did his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. He is paying the price for our freedom. Beardless or not, he is not a boy. He is the American fighting man that has kept this country free for over 200 years. He has asked nothing in return except our friendship and understanding. Remember him always, for he has earned our respect and admiration with his blood. And now we even have women over there in danger doing their part in this tradition of going to war when our nation calls us to do so. So, ladies and gentlemen, as you go to bed tonight, please pray for our military and contract personnel.
All right, I got a whole bunch of shout outs I want to give. Check out buyerbarrels.com, and there'll be a link on episode 168. Clint Buyer makes barrels for Ruger 1022s. That's B E Y E R B A R R E L S.com. Buyerbarrels.com. And check out Brother Stewart. That's Heaven Sent Flowers Online.com. Out of Ohio. Heaven Sent and Sent Like You Smell It. There'll be a link to it on the show notes. I want to say hey to Mother Helen. Haven't talked to you in a while, Mama. I hope you're doing all right. To Thomas in Vegas. Hey, man. To the boys at Diego Garcia, my main men. Hope everything's going good out there in the Pacific. Or is it the Atlantic? Well, got to get the geography lesson again. Carl to Martin. Shadrach, man, I ain't called you back yet, and I apologize, dude. To John, I hope you're doing okay, man. To Annie, thanks for holding it down in Arkansas. Sean, Chicago's off the chain, man. Gordon, Eric, Nathan, man, I haven't heard from you in a while. Mark, Lynn, hope you're doing okay up there in the Big Apple. Joe, Douglas, Matthew. Nathan, yeah, you, that Nathan. Where'd you go, man? Miguel, Randall, Rolando, haven't heard from you, bro. Hope everybody's doing okay wherever you are. Thanks, Father D. Father D, hope you're hanging out good and hope to see you soon. I think you're coming this way this summer, right? Les, Naren, David, Corey, Steve, Michael, Kelly. Kelly, how's San Fran? You doing okay over there? In that crazy state of California? Pastor David, hope you're doing all right up there in Washington State. Jeff in Florida, hope you're doing okay too, bro. To my brother Michael, hanging out in Wyoming. You and Miss Deb, hope everything is well with you guys. Hey, and to the new members of the Urban Shooter Association, Andrew, Omar, Chris, Child, and Dylan. Welcome and thank you. Hey, Dylan, I need an address for you, man. Can't send you any goodies all I got is your email address. Thanks, Patrick, for keeping me straight on Facebook. Theodore, thanks, man. Haven't heard from you in a while. I hope all is well in California. Derek, thank you, man. You're doing a great job with Zombie Strike. Tom, how you doing, buddy? And to all my listeners who are not on blackmanwithagun.com, blackmanwithagun.info, that's the Urban Shooter Forum, that might just be on the Gun Rights Radio Network's forum, Big shout out to everybody there. Hope you're all doing well. Just checking the pulse on the peeps. Me? It's been a rough week, actually. Just got through a nasty little conversation with some church elders and I'm contemplating leaving. Yeah, it's that bad. They've been rough on me for the last four years and I'm getting like Popeye now. I mean, it took all I can stands, and I can't stands no more. They hurting my family and killing my joy. So that's where I'm at. Have to sing your way through it sometime, I know. But that's where I'm at.
right thing, but I must have used the wrong line. Thought I took the right trip, but I must have used the wrong car. My head was in a bad place. Now I'm wondering what I'm good for. I was in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. I've been such a bad boy. Now I'm having such a good time. I've been running, trying to get caught up in my mind. Got to give myself a little talking to this time. Just need a little brain silent surgery. Got to cure some of my insecurity. I was in the wrong place, but it felt like the right time. I was on the right show, but it must have been the wrong song. I was in the right vein. She was the right girl, but she turned out to be so wrong. Despite my bumps and bruises, I know you got a few too. But stick around, it only gets better with time. Until next week, this is Ken Blanchard, your friend and your brother from a different mother, and I wish you peace. Shalom, baby. Thank you for listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Ken would love to hear from you. Email him at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Talk to you next week. Do you like Urban Shooter? Then send Ken an email at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Do you want to support the show and start something new? You can become a member of the new Urban Shooter Association for $4 a month and keep the mission going strong. Look for the USA link on the website.